Mr. Ryan, are you ready, brother? Yes, sir. I'm ready. Oh, excellent. Okay, hold on. Welcome. Right now, I'm coming from the Pacific Northwest, out just outside of Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada. We have a wonderful guest with us, Mr. Ryan Garza. Ryan, we met you yesterday. <laughs> you came in through <laughs> to the space and again absolutely knocked everybody's socks off and you know we agreed that we have to get you on as soon as possible i was russian you know technology not inclined trying to get emails and back and forth and we got you the link and we got you set up brother so welcome i really appreciate you taking the time to join us today yep absolutely and thank you for uh sending me the link that made it a lot easier for me i'm still working on my technology um, status <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Trust me. It's all a, a cohesion that's happened in the background to make everything go with us too. So we can appreciate that. Um, so as always, uh, I don't like to uh, really introduce people further and step on them at all. I like to give them the name and then really just let you speak because I think that's the most important part of this space. So Mr. Ryan Garza, welcome again. Please tell us what you're making in the cannabis community and what is going on with you. Well, right now, um, I am working on a book uh, that has actually the process that I've designed has really saved my life. And it started with um, I, I was in the Marine Corps and I had served uh, four, four tours out in Afghanistan. And in the Marine Corps, I wasn't able to smoke or do anything like that. So it was really difficult to get by. But we were so busy with everything. And um I ended up getting uh, blown up uh, on multiple occasions, uh, causing uh, multiple brain injuries. And the last time I got blown up, it actually took me out of the fight and I ended up losing my leg. So I was in a very dark spot and still not being able to smoke or anything. I had to adapt. And the time that I had spent in the hospital recovering, it was 13 months of them feeding me all these Oxycontin, Dilaudid, all these terrible things went in my mind I knew I knew oh god you know I don't even need all this stuff I could just be smoking and I'd be fine so it, it was very difficult and then I got to experience withdrawals for my very first time from pills and I felt like you know I did not ever want to deal with anything like that again it was it was just a very dark uh, time of my life and um and then I got out of the military but I was still having to take meds and stuff. So I still wasn't really able to smoke. Um, and I was trying as best as I could to drop down on my meds. Well, dropping on my meds was getting me a lot more mentally disturbed. And a few years later down the road on two, in uh, October 2nd of 2016, I had witnessed one of my best Marine buddies take his life. And at that moment, I thought that was it. I, I mean, I had done a lot and I've accomplished a lot, but that was something I was like, I'll, I'll never be able to get out of this. So I dropped into this dark, dark hole to where I was drinking a lot, smoking, but the smoking just wasn't enough. So I became a huge alcoholic trying to uh, keep from taking the meds they're giving me. And then just everything together was just, it, it was hell on earth. And I'll never forget, since that happened on October, that November, um, 
for Thanksgiving. I didn't want to be around anybody. I was very sad. I was alone. I had no family here uh, where I live here in Colorado Springs. All my family is in San Antonio, um, Texas. And I, um, I went to a Golden Corral, which is like a buffet type of place for um, Thanksgiving. And I went in there just beaten. I mean, I mean, destroyed, trying everything I could not to cry. And, uh, well, I remember I had smoked in my car and that gave me a little bit of a relief to be able to go in and have my Thanksgiving dinner. And I was taking my bites and then I, I looked around and it was almost as if my life just kind of started going in slow-mo and I started seeing people's smiles and their laughter and being with family and being happy together. And it had reminded me of what I used to do when I had really bad anxiety attacks and I wasn't able to smoke. I would just go into a restaurant like Red Robin that's really family oriented. And I would kind of just people watch and try and it would help me breathe better seeing other people's happiness. So that was kind of a start to something I didn't know was going to turn into something. And um, uh, I thought about that. And then the following Thanksgiving, I had seen a homeless person who just looked broken. I mean, just beat to death. And, um, and I gave him $10 and it, it just wasn't enough for me. Like I, like he was happy and I, I saw that hope in him and he, it was the $10. Yeah, that was great to give to him, but it was the hope I saw in his eyes that really struck me. So th then that's when I was like, man, but it still just wasn't enough. And then the next Thanksgiving, I was like, you know what? I want to do something more. I want to, um, I want to you know, make a couple plates for some homeless people. So I started looking in to buy a turkey. And because, I mean, I'm just thinking of all this dark places in my life that I had been and just wish that I had some kind of hope out there. So I wanted to kind of bring out some more hope. And when I'm looking at this turkey, I start getting excited. I'm starting to get a, a type of high that I've never felt that I was able to get without um, taking the million meds that they give me. I was able to take some puffs of cannabis and then go about my way to do what I felt would be right. And then one turkey turned to two turkey, two turkeys turned to some ham, and then the ham turned all these sides. And then next thing you know, I'm making over a hundred plates all over my apartment with sides and desserts and turkeys and hams. And I'm feeling I'm on cloud nine. I, I mean, I have a broken up body from getting blown up so many times and you know, bending over, I mean, it was hurt my back, my knees and all that, but nothing mattered to me because I was doing what I felt. I was having a whole apartment filled with hope, just the greatest hope in the world. So I went, boxed them all up, went out and started um, handing out food to them. And I remember one area in particular, it was a, it was a bad area. It was dark. It was over by a dumpster. And there was about 12, 15 um, homeless people around there. And I rolled up in my truck and automatically they turned and I could see in their eyes, they had more like fear, wondering, you know, kind of like if maybe I'm going to go and mess with them or spit at them, shoot at them, do whatever. Um, you know, I could see some sort of fear in their eyes. And whenever I came out saying happy Thanksgiving and I wanted to give them this hope was in the air and that gave me this strength. And then, all this guilt that I've been holding in all this time from everything from when I was a kid to everything overseas in the military to having to be there and not be enough for my best friend that he ended up taking his life 
guilt just drove me to the ground. And having that hope, I started realizing that I just never give myself enough credit. And maybe I'm not that bad of a guy. Maybe I need to start learning how to forgive myself from time to time. And then I'm thinking and I'm going through, like, trying to get myself better, trying to make myself through to where I could help other people. And so I made it uh, kind of a tradition for me to every year to make a bunch of plates uh, for homeless people for Thanksgiving. And it's been it's meant the world to me. And um, and I wanted to get my message out there because, as as most of you know, the 22 veterans take their lives every single day. And that was something that's been driving me crazy. Now, I've lost friends to suicide before, but it was kind of like, man, I understood because I've been there. Uh, there was a time in my life where I was ready to go. I, I couldn't imagine being in a darker place. I had hit the very rock bottom that I had nightmares over my whole life. When I thought I had hit rock bottom before, I was nowhere near it. And... I wanted to break the cycle because everybody knows this number 22. And, and I figured, let's say tonight was supposed to be my night. I take my life. This is the night I'm destined to take my life. Then one thing happens that changed my perspective. And I say, you know what? I was supposed to be that number 22 today, but something changed my perspective and I moved on. And guess what? I broke that cycle. So instead of 22, there happened to be 21. Now, it's still such a large number. 21 a day is terrible. But even if I could save one life, that's what means the world to me. Because saving that one life breaks the cycle to where they might be able to fill in that missing puzzle piece, of, puzzle piece, of piece from someone else that they had been looking for. And boom, that's another life lived. That's dropped down to 20. And then it's almost like paying it forward. Everyone's able to have this knowledge, change that perspective and go. So then I tried to make a process. And I, my expertise overseas was to use metal detectors to find IEDs. And so I used certain tactic or um, techniques I used overseas to making my process. So in this process, there's the same things I would use for sweeping for IEDs. My, and um, the first is called recognizing patterns. So what we would do is something called disturbed earth. That's a discoloration of the ground. It kind of looks as if someone had tampered with it. In that case, it alerts us to say, hey, you know what? That's a possible IED. The, and then the second step is to investigate the possibles. That's possibly an IED, but it might not be. If I don't investigate that possible, I could sit there and I could be worried about it this entire time. In my life, that one little thing, that one dark spot will just be dragging me down this whole way and I will have no way out of it. But then all of a sudden, if I go and I investigate it, there have been times where even though I was a little nervous, I got the beep, I did my job, I dug for it, and it was a soda can. Whew, what a relief. I could move forward. That's that type of thing that people hold so much guilt and they don't even realize that it's unnecessary weight. It's something that's been weighing on them so much that they just cannot get it off their shoulders when really they just need to investigate it and realize how important these things are. Is this worth feeling guilty over? Like, is this worth ruining your days over? Man, just knock it off. 
that comes the third step, changing the route. So if we know there's this one route that's always getting all these IEDs, we're getting hurt left and right. Why do I always go down that same route? Everybody, oh, this always happens. This always happens. There'll be some someone complaining about the same thing every single day for 10 years out of their life. But why? Why go down that same route, that, route that's been blowing you up all these years? You need to change the route. And from there, the next step is to tag it. A lot of people say, hey, just forget about it. That's the problem, all this, this, this. The most important thing is not to forget about it because you've learned through all these experiences, but you just need to learn how to deal with it, how to accept it and move forward. So that brings me to the fifth step and that's move forward to push on. And that could mean in so many different ways, but for me to let go and push forward was to give back. And whenever I gave back, that's when I said, man, I was starting to give myself that credit that I really deserved. I am a good person. I do try to help people the best I possibly can. I go out of my way to save lives the best I can. That's my job. That's my purpose. I want to take care of people, but I have to take care of myself because if I, if I die, then I cannot save these people's lives. So I've got to figure it out. And whenever I, that one Thanksgiving, when I made all those plates and it gave me that hope, that was my biggest success because that was when I was finally, I understood and realized the process from guilt to forgiveness. So my upcoming book is titled Disturbed Earth, My Journey from Guilt to Forgiveness. And that's what I'm working on right now. And, um, uh, and it's just been... Uh, a, 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 a big learning process and um, everything. And to bring it back to cannabis, what's been the greatest part about this is being born and raised in San Antonio, I had to be in fear to get weed or, oh, what if I get caught? What if I go to jail? What if I'm not able to get my meds? And I was in constant fear. I'm so close to my family, but I knew I had to go and I had to move to Colorado Springs. I, that took away that much anxiety to where I could do this legally, I could get exactly what I need, and I could be good. That gave me the tools to be able to focus. That gave me the tools to be able to think in a certain way that is more positive rather than negative. Because I had so many negative feelings when I'm taking 26 pills a day. When I was knocking that out, cannabis just gave me that much more hope. And my dad, he has been a police officer forever. He was an undercover narcotics agent, SWAT and all that. He has been against marijuana forever. He, he is, I mean, 100%, nothing could change his mind. But then he saw me as an alcoholic that took all these pills and stuff. Then I moved to Colorado Springs for a little bit and I moved back and he said, you know, right. He's like, I miss you like crazy and everything, but I understand what you mean now. Like I understand because you're a completely different person. So even my dad, someone that I thought could never change his mind, he understands it now. And he knows that cannabis is really saving my life. I don't necessarily need it all day, every day to just get blitz, pass out, eat all this food. No, a lot of it is truly medicine for my pain to make it by. And if I have that control over my physical and mental pain, then I could push forward. If I could control not having to take opioids and 
or opiates and all these other things that they uh, opiates. Yes, sorry. Um, that they try to feed me, and I could focus on myself. I could focus on my health. I don't have to sit there and t have them tell me, "Oh, yeah, these pills will make you feel better." No, bro. I'll take this joint and I'll take this edible, and I'm good to go. <laughs> I can sit here and I can keep doing my purpose, keep living my life, and because of that, I am at the certain point of my life that it makes all of those hard dark days worth it it made it all worth the fight because i'm here now and i made it to tell my story to tell my process and to hopefully break the cycle and keep those numbers far away from 22 as possible i hope y'all uh got something out of this and i appreciate y'all very much boy <laughs> oh my goodness ryan <laughs> We're just getting started, my friend. We are, we're only a quarter of the way through this rodeo. We are definitely have some things to go. I am, again, glad that I take notes with my trusty pencil over here. My goodness. I wanted to, I wanted to quickly touch on the uh, process because I was really getting into that. Um, I, don't, I think I got the first one incorrect. I, I wrote down disturbed patterns. Was that the first entire one? What was that first step that oh, you said, brother? The first step is recognizing patterns. Recognizing. And then you said disturbed earth and that's where, okay, recognizing patterns. So just to, to recap that, because I think that was a really, really interesting uh, process, was recognizing our patterns, investigate the possibilities, um, change your route, your route, tag it, and then move forward and push on. Correct. Hey, <laughs> man. Like that's, so like, that's super interesting. I, uh, oh man, I was going through quite a few different things in my head and how like, yeah, quite practical is to say the least. Um, I really appreciate you putting that in a tight package as well, um, for everybody, uh, to, I, it's actually nice to hear somebody like, I don't know the positivity that you have. I think I just want to clear that out of the way. Cause as you can tell, it has me a little bit speechless. I mean, like listening to what you're going through. I mean, first off again, thank you for your service. I said this to you last night, but thank you for your service, brother. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then to have one of your friends go down as well when you're back home is absolutely not a good thing. Um, so I really reach out to you on that one. Um, and then, yeah, just that kind of that tumbling motion to get you to where that point where you were like, okay, um, things need to change. And this kind of happiness that you had just absolutely took over. Absolutely took over. Um, yep. The <laughs> one thing, though, that I wanted to touch on within that is that, you know, you said that the guilt, like, really drove you to help. And so I know there's a lot of people that like to um, help a lot of people as well. And they might not necessarily be looking after themselves, which is, you know, exactly what you hit on there. And now that you kind of have a little bit of a, you know, hindsight's 2020 right like it's just i wish i wish we could have it all the time but in hindsight now do you have anything that you could possibly say to yourself as you were going through that crazy kind of rabbit hole of guilt and just doing those activities was there kind of any point in time where you maybe could have stopped yourself or like you noticed like hey i kind of need to slow down a little bit like even though i know that i'm helping all these people that like there's not a, a healthy aspect to that right yeah well uh I'll tell you about a very crazy um, experience I had. It was um, it was shortly after um, my friend Jake had taken his life, and at that point, 
because I just, I knew a lot of people were going to blame me for it. And then I had all that guilt from it. So if anybody was hurting, and I mean, I was at the point to where I was at drinking at least a half gallon of vodka a day. And I Sorry, was... can I ask you just a quick question, brother? Why did uh-huh. why did you think everybody was going to blame you for it? Because the thing is, is that I was I was known as a very wild and crazy marine. I mean, in a good way, as a good, you know, as marines are. But and then you know, getting that out of the fight, I was just always wild and crazy, party hard, and uh, you know, a huge part of it was just to, you know one get rid of the pain because I, I had actually kept my leg for a few years afterwards because it was a hard decision to make so um it was crushed up for a while so I was I was drinking a lot and then um so everybody just knew me as a wild and crazy guy and I knew that they'd be like well if Ryan wasn't there this probably wouldn't have happened and that that's kind of how it was with a lot of people and a lot of people stopped talking to me and so that dropped me into an even worse depression, and I was drinking even more. And anytime anyone was hurting or reach or trying to get some help, I would reach out. The I mean, I would go. I mean, my phone was going off constantly, but I felt like I had no choice. I had to respond because if I don't respond and they take their lives, then I'll regret it for the rest of my life and just add more guilt to myself. And there was uh, just a miserable time where I was drinking and literally like the anxiety would tense up my entire body to where it it's as if you're, uh, you know, if you get a trolley horse on your calf or something, pe- people don't like that feeling. This was my entire body. It would even seal my face, my eyes shut. Every, every part of my uh, body would cramp up and it was just the scariest and worst feeling. So I would have to just go straight to drinking because I knew, okay, if I don't drink, then I'm not going to be able to focus enough to help these people. And then, it, you know, it was just a big, messed up way to try to help people. Yeah. I, oh, no, I understand. Like, yeah, I, it's it's kind of, yeah, I, I'm really resonating with what you're saying here. It's kind of, it's striking home a little bit. It, um, yeah, like, you know that it wasn't your fault, right? Like... You know, everybody has their own, like they're adults <laughs> and they make their own decisions. So everyone has their own like way of doing things. And like, you know, especially being like a raucous and loud person. I think you uh, can tell that I have a little bit of a booming voice sometimes. Uh, <laughs> my laugh gets a little ridiculous. I try to throw my head up in the air so my microphone doesn't catch it full blast. But I know everybody still does. Um, you know, I've had, I, yeah, it's it's definitely people still have their own. They're kind of responsible for their own things. I don't know if I'm speaking on a place on that, but um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, my friend's mother really, it took me a long time for her to tell me that and make sure that I was okay with things <laughs> because mm-hmm. the same type of thing happened. And I was just like, oh man, like we did a lot of bad things together. Like we were talk about like gasoline on top of kerosene on top. Like, man, <laughs> we were just, we were crazy together, but yeah, that was instantly the thing I remember. It was like, oh, f- like, what What if that, like, what if I wasn't there to help out kind of induce that a little bit? So I don't know, like, if that was the case for you, but I just kind of wanted to share that because that was that, I, you know, it, it took me to some places where I didn't think the brain could go. It was just super frustrating. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, and uh, well, in in the craziest because I I had dealt with suicide and stuff like that, um, even most of my life. And the crazy thing is, is the mission that I went on that took me out of the fight that actually took out my leg. I wasn't even supposed to be on that mission because the mission before that I had gotten blown up and uh, I got back from the mission and my first sergeant came up to me and he was like, Hey, I need to talk to you uh, when you're done. And I was like, okay, you know, just talk to me now. And he's like, no, when you're done. And I'm thinking he's going to see if I'm okay from the explosion and stuff, which I was, I just gotten rocked a little bit, but um, he said, Garza, you need to go see the wizard. Well, overseas, when they say go see the wizard, that's like saying go see the priest because someone close to you is dead. And I was like, oh, my God, who was it? Who was it? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. So I went and found out that my uncle, who I was very close to, had taken his life. And it, it dropped me bad. They told me to get some rest. They had me see a doc because I'd already been going through stuff out there. And not being able to attend my uncle's funeral just was ripping me apart. And they said, you know what, just get some rest and uh, you don't need to go on this next mission. So I was getting my few days of rest and it just started bothering me. And, I, and another thing was, you know, I would never forgive myself if I didn't go on this mission and someone got killed. So I went on the mission and that is whenever I got hurt. So that was one time to where I was like, well, thank God I think that way because if I didn't have that type of guilt, then someone else would have gotten killed. But there comes a time, and I'm so grateful, and I would never take that back for anything in the world. I'm so grateful I did that that day. But you know, later on in my life, whenever I'm trying to heal, I've learned that there's certain times in life to where I need to kind of be selfish and focus on my own recovery because I'm I'm not getting any younger. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All this anxiety, I'm telling you, I used to have nothing but black hair. And now I'm so <laughs> Man, you are preaching to the choir. Liam and Oystein know, man. They see uh, if I, my beard gets past about three or four days, the white definitely starts to come through. And I mean, oh, yeah. I've, I've got the jeans coming through, man. The front side is balding and the back. I mean, it's not looking good for me. I'm only 35, man. So you're definitely in good company with that. I can, I can feel you for sure. <laughs> so I guess like in relation to that too, I mean, for me, what I've been noticing is I've been getting a little bit older. Oh, goodness. I'm not used to that saying yet. But, you know, as I have been getting, you know, a little bit over there, uh, you know, the cannabis products that I've been taking, uh, you know, they kind of changed up a little bit, you know, flavors or terpenes have kind of changed. Um, I've really kind of honed in on some different things. And it's only because I've had the advantage um, of living up in Canada. Uh, and I also lived in California for a few years um, where, you know, it was the early 2000s. It was the good old days. I mean, there was all sorts of goodies available to me down there. I remember the first time I drank uh, an infused soda, uh, I almost hit the roof. I was so excited, man. It, uh, <laughs> it was, yeah. And, uh, you know, like those little Listerine strips, they had like those were infused and it was like a red hot candy flavor. I was just, where did I go? Uh, but anyway, you know, it, it definitely changed up for me and I was able to do that. Since you've been able to leave Texas, which was, you know, obviously a blessing in a way, you've been able to get exposed to the cannabis industry, um, which is something that I kind of wanted to just say, highlighted real quick, is 
that I remember talking to a lot of people in Colorado and they were saying that the housing market is absolutely crazy and they're like everyone's moving to work in the cannabis industry. But you know what was never ever mentioned until I've had conversations with you and only I think only one other maybe a couple other people through this space is that they move to better their health. They didn't move to Colorado to be working in the industry per se. They moved because of the laws. They moved to protect themselves and actually take control of their destiny. So that is something that really jumped out to me. It was just going, oh my goodness. I mean, you moved for a totally different purpose. And again, being in Canada, I didn't even really think about that. Again, we've been we've been spoiled up here. So I would really like to know kind of how your progression has gone you know when you first arrived um how was the cannabis scene when you got there what was your access like and how was your you know have you become a connoisseur <laughs> in that way you know how how's that journey been going for you well i um whenever i had first moved here um it i mean prices definitely are just shooting up every year which is just crazy but um i uh well it was a lot different um the Everything was a lot stronger then, but um, like I, I was able to, the fact that I, I knew what I was smoking or I knew what edibles I was, or, you know, the fact of knowing exactly what I was taking in made it easier for me to use it as medicine. Um, and so, you know, I would do things like, you know, sativa for, you know, the morning type stuff, hybrid stuff, middle of the day, indica um, before bed. And having those type of routines was making me better and made made me more motivated to um, get more brain treatment because there was a time from my brain injuries where my memory was gone. I forget everything I was saying all the time. I uh, would stutter a lot and I just didn't want to talk or anything. And I, I really thought that I, you know, I am 100% medically retired from the Marines and, um, and I really thought that I was just going to be that way for the rest of my life, just, you know, smoking till the day I die. And, but then my eyes started getting more clear headed and I was actually using it right. And I was, you know, taking care of my pain by like what you said with the infused sodas. I drink one of those before bed and I mean, I'm pain free and it feels great because I'm actually getting that sleep. Um, and so I actually, what when I thought would be impossible, I actually was able to go back to school and um, I was doing really good. And I mean, I, I just wish y'all knew how my brain thought a few years ago, because you'd be like, ah, oh, there's no way you're, you're getting back in school. Um, and not only did I get in, I got, uh, I was getting good grades. I was getting all A's and B's sticking to those and everything. And, oh, uh, good job. Congratulations, Vankage. I'm, I'm going through my stuff too. And it's such a challenge being an older student and you're, I mean, man, good job. What, what are you taking in school, buddy? What'd you go take? Well, uh, I, I was, uh, before I joined the Marines, I was a psychology major cause I wanted to help kids who kind of grew up like me. And, um, but then I changed to uh, social work because I was volunteering teaching AA at the county jail here in Colorado Springs. And I realized that, you know, those people, you know, I, I get it. And, and like, I, I really wanted to help them. And so uh, a lot of them uh, have just been thrown 
to the street and left for nothing. And I wanted to be able to give them hope. So I got into social work and I was doing good, but sadly I'd gotten COVID and I was deathly sick and um, I kept getting false negatives. Um, so I was in and out of the hospital for uh, two and a half months. And so I had to drop out of school. Um, so I didn't get to finish, but um, with everything going on and once things, and another thing about school is now that everything is online, it's so much more difficult. So I was kind of trying to plan on uh, waiting until it's face to face again, because, um, you know, I still struggle with my brain injuries and there's still a lot of distractions and stuff like that. So taking courses, as you know, like math and <laughs> crazy stuff like that i oh really man think. let's have real talk for a second i mean i still miss my textbooks man i mean i gotta do some of these online modules and i don't get a single textbook no like paper anything i just my brain doesn't it, i have to do it differently on the computer it doesn't i have to do it in like smaller sections take a break and then go back and um yeah it's man i yeah, it's yeah <laughs> those things i was i i had to make a choice i really wanted to uh, finish up but i could see it was really affecting me mentally and uh so i was like you know what i'm not gonna sit here and waste the spot in class um or you know waste you know a spot if i'm gonna end up you know messing up or getting distracted to where it's making me angry to do something stupid you know um and uh but i have every intention on going back and uh doing that and it's I okay also... i had to take an extra year too don't worry brother yeah. <laughs> i had to yeah man it just wasn't happening man exactly it's you have yeah, to so make it right you have to make it right for yourself especially when you're an adult right and that's yeah, just you know like i said it's it's even one thing just to think about what you're doing to try and figure like just to get there and then to make those decisions but you're doing this going through a whole bunch of different obstacles that everybody else isn't used to either and so like that's just man you Oh my goodness. I flipped my page because this is going to be a two page show notes over here for sure, but you're definitely moving forward and pushing on like you, you are past, you changed your route a long time ago. You tagged it. Like you're just, man, (laughs) you're going brother. Like that's the important part. Like you already tagged it. So you know that you're going to get back to it. I'm confident in that. Uh, thank you very much. And um, also, uh, I would like uh, some, uh, y'all to see a video of mine, too, if you'd like. Um, it, it's a YouTube video called uh, Ryan Garza, What's Your Everest? And um, that's actually, uh, it plays a big story, um, too, um, on my mental process of getting through having my amputation. Um, and it's just whenever I, I climbed... The uh, I did a Wounded Warrior climb uh, in did a two week climbing the Andes Mountains with a, a group of veterans. And I, while I had my leg and it was completely crushed up when I got back. So that's when I got it amputated. And then I was like, oh, and the good part about that is they let me pick the day I got the amputation. And I got that thing cut off on Friday the 13th. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> Did yeah, you just but, make a joke about your own amputation? Yeah. <laughs> oh my. But I really did though. The doctor <laughs> thought I was crazy. And uh, but the thing is, is they um I got asked because people on, on I was the only one with a leg injury on the Andes climb, and I was the first one at the top of the final summit. So uh I got asked to climb again and to do a 14er in Colorado, which is 
a 14,000 plus foot mountain. And I was like, are you crazy? I just got my leg amputated. There's no way. And they wanted me to climb five months after the amputation. And they gave me the whole, oh, but you can stop and this and this and, uh, you know, take a break. I was like, you know what? Another thing that cannabis saved my leg for, or saved my pain from, because I was like, I'll, maybe I'll just take a couple of edibles and then, you know, I'll, I'll just try it out. Well, I tried it out and I made it. It was a, a 14,141 foot mountain and they ended up doing an interview on me and, uh, and making this video that I think y'all will enjoy on YouTube. And, but that was one of those, another time in my life to where I had hit that point to where I was like, there's no way I could do anything else. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do sports. I'm not going to be able to run or da, da, da. And I did that and it gave me hope to be able to start doing stuff more. And now I'm doing all kinds. I, I went surfing with one leg. I just, I broke my elbow this January snowboarding and loved it. I went back in March. <laughs> and, and <laughs> Dude, you're wild. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? I just need to push myself because I could do it. And that's when it's like, hey, I got to tag what's gone on in my life and make that damn summit so I can figure, hey, you know what? I'm not rock bottom. I'm back up on the top. And I did it. And it, and, and it changed my uh, it changed my perspective on things. And even though I hit another rock bottom shortly after that, I was able to, you know, recognize my patterns change it around investigate those possibles and, and just tag it and go and now i'm feeling better than i have since i left the war that's wild i'm really happy to hear that man i'm really happy to hear that um it's uh yeah like it's very interesting hearing about how you do go on that journey uh I and mean, how things have changed i do appreciate you um, sharing that and I mean I couldn't help but think about the soda that you're drinking before bed I think you should probably look at some water soluble options I think you might have heard about that yesterday uh, <laughs> uh, the soul and you stuff man that uh, I think that'll be a little bit more healthier for you than uh, drinking a soda before bed <laughs> well it's not an everyday thing but man those ones hey when, it, when I first started nailing it it, it it hit the spot, so... I know. I feel yeah. I'm just... I mean, I'm still trying to get over those water-soluble cannabinoid products. Like, that's just absolutely mind-blowing. Like, I'd never... I guess I should... You know, I guess I never thought about it, but I guess we never... You know, we genuinely didn't, but it's unbelievable how things can be infused with this wonderful, wonderful plant, man. This is unreal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you're like you know when you're in severe pain i know this is kind of the main thing here it seems to be kind of a recurring thing and i kind of wanted to get that message out a little bit because i know that you're speaking to a particular uh population where um we have kind of a, a federal issue at play and so access is a little bit difficult for um you know some of your fellow service members uh, across the country and so do you have any advice for them i mean i know moving to colorado or moving to a state is like that's, you know, that's a little bit unique of a circumstances, right? Not everybody can just pick up and, and get going. But, you know, is there some advice that you can offer uh, for your fellow brothers and sisters? Because, you know, I know this is a sticky issue. No pun intended, I guess, pun intended. But it's just it's a really tough for y'all folks. I've spoken to so many people. And, um, you know, I really, you know, having the pleasure of you here today, uh, you know, I feel you'd be a really good person to address that. You, you know, you've been through the path, my friend. Absolutely. Um, the the thing I would say is, uh, yeah, I would basically first figure out what exactly is going on with your life. 
And how much would it benefit you if you were to leave to something like that? Or, you know, because a, a lot of people, especially, you know, now that it's getting legal in the States, everywhere's getting expensive as hell. So people can't just get up and move to one of these states because then they won't even be able to afford the weed. And so, like, it, it sucks. But that's whenever it comes down to it with me, I knew that I had to make a choice. I realized everything that was going on in my life and I knew it was going to be a struggle. I knew I wasn't going to have any family. I wasn't going to have any friends. I, I had to make that decision because I was going down a very dark road and the struggle made it worth it. The struggle made it mean more to me. And now if someone could sit there and say, you know what, it's not that bad. I could kind of, hang low on the weed i could get around here i have good connections this and that hey more power to you that's great but with me it was almost a life and death situation i had to weigh out my options and realize that if i didn't make that move then you know i i, I could be a, a hell of a lot worse off so my, my advice is just to again recognize those patterns in life and see what exactly you think you have to do to make yourself better and regardless what it'll take, you know, regardless how hard it will be, realize the long run and realize that you're doing this to make, give you yourself a better life. If you sit there and not make any moves and all you'll do is wonder what if. And what if is one of those, the biggest downers of people's lives. And that also drowns into guilt. You know, it's what if I would have done this? What if, if I would have done this? If I would have made that move, maybe I wouldn't be such an alcoholic right now. Maybe I would still be married. I'd have my job. I, you know, there's so many different factors. But the fact is just knowing yourself and knowing what you actually feel, believe in your heart that will help you make it to that next day. And whatever it takes to give you that healthy and happy life, make it happen. The struggle is always worth it. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. That's a good ribbon on that. I really appreciate that. It, uh, yeah. Like I said, it's so, it's so wild. Uh, you know, the different complications that everyone just doesn't have the same access. And again, you mentioned another complication, which uh, also hits home up here for us in Canada uh, is the price um, of our medicine. So, we are lucky enough that some of the licensed producers up here or um, the terminology probably in the States would be uh, MSOs. Uh, you know, we have some of these folks who do offer what we call um, compassionate care pricing or compassionate pricing. Um, but even then, it still makes it difficult for people. So, uh, you know, that pricing, I really appreciate you bringing that up, that even if you do move, um, looking at that bill of your medication could also be uh, kind of a stunner for you. Um is there what what is available you know like i know right now it's, it's difficult but what how can you kind of see maybe that tide changing i know you know the kind of standard wherewithal is you know get in touch with your legislator and you know do that sort of stuff i mean is that really the play here is that going to do it like what can what can we actually do you know what can people who uh, are listening to this podcast like you know that's the thing about it is um, you know if you come to the first cannabis room on green room here uh, hosted by the friends and family at Cannabis Maker. We love to have an open and honest dialogue about everything that's happening in cannabis. It's been a truly uh, magical time here. The thing, though, that we have done is made sure that people are as passionate about the solution, you know, if not, you know, well, 
truly, you better be more passionate about your solution than the complaint is really how I like it. So, you know, for you, brother, like, what do we, what can we do about solutions here? Is there something that we can kind of band up? I mean, you've seen the incredible uh, energy and spirit of the people uh, in this room. Like, how can we help you, Ryan? I'll, I'll be quiet. How can we help you? <laughs> no, I, yeah, and I, I absolutely love everyone, too. It's, it's, I had just gotten in for the first time yesterday, and I, I loved it to death. Y'all had me cracking up. Um, one of the things I think that could help is a variety of people who have that success story whenever it comes to cannabis. So I could sit here and I could get people who are entertainers all the time and say, Hey, what would you, and they say this, or I could get a bunch of these people. But if I got one person from every group that there possibly is and have a success story, I mean, I know that's kind of uh not probable to have every possibility but let's say you have a construction worker or you have a, a teacher or you you just have people from all different jobs and all like all different situations all different mindsets everything and have a success story the make the thing that i think makes it so difficult for them to legalize it everywhere and make it easier for all of us is all the people who are against it they will sit there and pull it all up on media. Oh, they they got in this big deadly crash and they, they had marijuana in their system or they had this. And they all just have all these negative things to, that have nothing. I mean, someone could have taken one little bong rip and then it happened to accidentally hit someone. And then, boom, it's all against Bud. And they, people think it's the worst thing ever because all media wants to do is have all the bad stuff and make you hate everything. But if you have a success story from every single section there is, then it's really hard for them to doubt us because every single place that someone was in, someone has that success story. Someone saw that benefit. And I think there's a good possibility. I mean, there's a possibility I might not be here today without it. And to think that, I mean, don't get me wrong, alcohol is great and stuff, but that was literally my biggest killer. And a lot of the times I would have to drink because weed wasn't always readily available. And if we could take that then and make it legal everywhere, I mean, for, I mean, seeing how it could benefit everyone, then it will drop all those things from, you know, all the, a bunch of the drinking and driving and all that stuff, because a lot of people turn to alcohol because it's not ready available uh, to get bud or they just can't afford it. So honestly, getting, I think, or, what, or I believe this is the only thing that I think could actually help is just having, a, you know, like I said, a success story from every point of view that there is. So it leaves them no way to argue, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's a really uh, important point, to say the least, is that you know, really getting steam, getting, uh, you know, a message across. And it's been really difficult because, as we all know, um, social media networks love to, uh, uh, you know, uh, keep us uh, at bay, to say the least. It, uh, it hasn't been a fun adventure with that. So it's definitely uh, a difficult uh, situation if you want to post uh, about those sort of things. Um, I don't know if you've kind of witnessed that at all, but I know we've definitely seen that throughout the community um, for a few times. And, you know, again, they're pretty resilient. They'll try and set up their accounts again uh, and get on going. But it's definitely difficult when you have, you know, a couple thousand, tens of thousands of followers sometimes and more uh, and you got to restart again. It really makes that difficult. Oh, yeah. Anyway, my friend. 
this has been a great session. I don't want to take up terrible uh, too much amount of your time. So again, I know you ran through um, absolutely everything that you were doing in the beginning, and I wanted everybody to get a second chance uh, to know, you know, where they can connect with you, uh, the title of your book, all that wonderful, fun stuff. I would really, really appreciate that because, again, how else are we going to get the story out, Ryan? We got to make sure that you get front and center, sir. Uh, and Absolutely. we get everybody else uh, behind you. So let's get it, my friend. Where can we get in touch with you? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm still really new uh, with this stuff. I have my email. I had started an Instagram, um, but I, I, that's another thing I'm really new with. Uh, my email is honestly the best way to get in touch with me. I don't know if that helps um, with these groups. Um just but, uh, uh, keep in mind the podcast is going out. So wherever you want the world to get in touch with you, my friend, we have listeners literally all around the world. Literally Norway, United Portugal, the United States, of course, Canada. I mean, there, there's Japan. There's a long list, my friend. <laughs> that'd be all. Awesome. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm trying to figure out um, other ways to, or you know, learning this process to where I could get my information out there. Uh, I believe my email is on the thing uh, on my page. Um, and if uh, if anyone would like to email me, I check it all the time, and I could get back to you asap. Um, I but for right now, that and my cell phone are the only ways of. Um, my communication I really know how to use. No worries, brother. Can you uh, spell out uh, your email address for everybody, please? Absolutely. It's Ryan Garza 22. So that's R-Y-A-N-G-A-R-Z-A 22 at AOL.com. Beautiful. Ryan, you're a saint, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate y'all. Y'all the saints. Y'all have been y'all have been making me have some big old smiles since yesterday. <laughs> Man, I'm just glad that uh, you got the chance to come on through uh, and share your story. And it's just the um, the absolute. Just you have this confidence behind you that I know uh, you didn't have a little while ago. There's, there's a different person. I didn't, I didn't have to know you before to know that much, my friend. I just know that those places and being in those dark places are not the human being and the energy and energy and the power that you have today, Ryan. So, uh, yeah, you got up in the morning and looked yourself in the mirror and you were like, all right, F this noise. This pattern is not correct and we're going to do something about it and I'm going to be a better human being. So, Damn right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, you know, in case anybody lost the story of that one, I mean, yeah, our friend Ryan Garza here is an absolute beast. So thank you so much for taking the time uh, for us today. And there you have it, everybody. Another episode of the Resonate radio podcast thank you so much for making it all the way through to the end we appreciate the downloads the follows leave us a review if you're listening to us on the apple podcast please subscribe and hit the bell over on youtube and twitch you can find us over there at resonate media you can also find us on instagram at team resonate you can also send us an email to info 
at resonatecannabis.com. I hope you all have a wonderful day and thank you so much again for taking the time to listen to us here on Resonate Radio. We'll see you again next time. Thank you.